Episode 25 of Vicious Talk with Benny P is going to be the NFL's wild card weekend picks against the Lions with my good friend Jake Kelly. We decided to continue on uh, beyond the regular season for the NFL's postseason coming up soon. This is episode 25. Like I said, I've reached the quarter century mark, and I'd just like to like I just like to thank my listeners who have been listening to any of the podcasts that I've been putting out, um, and I've really appreciated some of the support that I've received, and I've had a lot of fun producing some of these um, with some of my guests that I've been able to bring on. All that being said, I just want to say Happy New Year to everyone, and now let's dive into episode 25 of This Talk with Benny P. Okay, so today's episode of Vicious Talk with Benny P is going to be our uh, wild card weekend picks against the Lions. Jake Kelly and I are going to be doing our uh, weekly NFL picks against the Lions, and we decided to uh, continue on past the regular season into the playoffs, into wild card weekend for this first week of the playoffs. So today's guest is Jake Kelly. Jake, Happy New Year. How's it going? Good, pal. Happy New Year to you. Yeah, man. And Excited to uh, be on here with you again. We uh, had a good time doing this during the regular season, so I'm excited to kind of just continue on into um, these more impactful, exciting games in the playoffs. Yeah, it's funny. You know, we've got 11 games left with the playoffs. Uh, I mean, I'm back too, so every game is going to be pretty pretty important as far as the picks go, so it'll be very interesting to see how this ends up. Yeah, for sure. Um, looking at our... our tallies for the regular season you uh started to make a comeback towards the end you got me on a game in week 17 but you, you couldn't quite make up all the ground you needed so you finished uh you went nine and seven last week and i went eight and eight in week 17 and uh on the total you went one uh 101 and 884 and i was 103 and 82 so i still have two games on you yeah, I mean, we both had a, a very good season, uh, both hovering around 55%, correct? Uh, I think I read that uh, 52.5 or 52.4 is roughly what you need to make to break even if you're going to be consistently betting. Yeah. And that um, most pros, you know, 55 is a good mark. Yeah, so, and, we're, uh, oh, and we're picking I, games that, like, we normally wouldn't even, like, recommend putting money on either. So there's, like, there's some games that's like, oh, if I could tell you to stay away, I would, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, I'd be, I'm pretty happy with our, our marks overall. I'll also note that on, on the few weeks where we, we weren't able to do the picks, I did kind of look over those games, the lines, and those were tough weeks. I'll, I'll admit, like, I, I think I may not have done as well had, had I ended up picking on some of those weeks. But Still, you know, we we picked a lot of games that I wouldn't recommend people pick. So I, I think we did very well. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We uh, for not people who don't really do this on a regular basis, we kind of used to just in school we would talk about football and stuff a lot, but we wouldn't really go into this much detail. Um, we did pretty well. I was surprised. Yes, sir. I I thought we. I think I wasn't all that surprised. I mean, I have a obviously I have a high opinion of of, you know, what, what I know about the NFL, and uh, I I didn't wasn't going to underestimate you, Ben. I, I thought, you know, 
if I was going to go against someone one on one with these picks, I, I figured that you would be very competitive. So I'm not I'm not surprised at all. I thought we both do fairly well. Yeah. Yeah, man. Quite this, but well. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's look at these games for the wild card weekend. You ready? Absolutely. Yeah, these um, somewhat interesting how that whole AFC wild card uh, tiebreaker situation played out. It ended up being all four teams were tied. Um, so the Bills, although they only had the tiebreaker over the Ravens, they sneak in for basically strength of schedule, and the Ravens basically lose out because of how bad the Browns were this season because they beat them twice and they're zero sixteen. So that just ruins their whole opponent's uh winning percentage. So the Bills end up sneaking into the sixth seed, um, and the Titans get that five seed and. Those are probably two of the worst postseason teams we've seen in recent years. Um, and looking at this first game, we'll look at the Tennessee Titans at the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City. Uh, the Chiefs are the four seed. The Titans are five. Uh, the Chiefs are favored by nine points. Who are you going to take in this, Jake? Um, I think I'm going to go with Tennessee. Uh, I know it's it's a bit of a risk. I see uh, you know, the Titans' offense hasn't exactly been clicking over the past few weeks. DeMarco is going to be out. But uh, when I look at this game, Kansas City, very poor defense against the run, uh, and I would expect to see Derrick Henry and Mariota uh, try to get things going on the ground early. Uh, Kansas City, great home field advantage. Uh, and so that kind of weighs, weighs into this as well. But I just, the nine points is a whole lot. For the Chiefs, especially, you know, I dug a little bit deep on some of the statistics with uh, with both teams. And uh, over the past, like, four or five weeks, I don't think, you know, maybe once the uh, these teams were involved in a game that went over. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a low-scoring football game here. Uh, I think the Chiefs will probably ultimately win the actual game. I think they just have too many big-time playmakers. But uh, they're a little banged up. Uh, they they have gotten a little bit hot recently, but they haven't been covering a whole lot of games. Uh, and so I think Tennessee, they'll have heard about, you know, all the discussion about how they don't deserve to be there. Uh, they have a solid defense. Uh, they just need to be efficient on offense and efficient enough to stay within nine points. And uh, for those reasons, I'm going to go with the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, I don't hate the idea that the Titans are going to cover this spread. Um, nine points is a lot, of, is a lot and... The Kansas City Chiefs, they they have a lot to be worried about. Um, but I'm looking at all the teams in the AFC, and I'm a Patriots fan, you're a Patriots fan, and, and you just kind of look at the teams you're most afraid of going into uh, round two. And uh-huh. the Chiefs are the only team, really, I think that the Patriots might have some 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 struggle with. I, don't, I would never be afraid of the Bills, Jaguars, or Titans. I, I don't think the Patriots would have any problem rolling over those three teams. Um and the Chiefs just kind of have more weapons, I think. Um, uh-huh. And I'm going with the Chiefs in this game. And my, my reasoning is it's mainly because we'll look at the uh, this other game in uh, the be, beyond this. We'll go in, in next in the next part of the podcast. But we're going to look at the Bills and the Jags, and it's the same spread. And I think the Titans are a better team than the Bills. I mean, sorry, I think the Bills are better than the Titans. To be honest, the Titans are bad this year. I think they're really bad. And I think the Chiefs, they're comparable, if not better, than the Jaguars. They have a better quarterback and a better coach, I think. Um, and 
I don't know. I just think I, I think that I trust the Chiefs more to cover this nine point spread at home um, than I would the uh, the Jags covering for the Bills. And we'll get into that. But um, all right. The only thing that worries me though is the 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 Chiefs don't have a good ru- uh, rush defense. They rank like last in d- uh, the DVOA rankings. Those are like the the defense adjusted value over average. And it's yep. complicated how they go into that stuff, but they kind of use a lot of different um, statistics, advanced stuff um, to kind of just rank what they think the right. defenses are, are good at and what they're valuable at and stuff. And um, the Chiefs rank really low in those things. And I don't put that much value into it, um, but they're alarmingly low in that. They're like the 30th team um, at, at, in those DVO rankings. And, um, but I mean, if you look at it, the, the Patriots are 31. So it's like, you can't put too much, um, eggs into that basket that it's, it's, it, you take it for kind of a grain of salt. Um, I just think that the, it's very possible that Derrick Henry has a great game in this and DeMarco Murray has a great game. Um, but I just think the chiefs with the, this, that three pronged attack or the four pronged attack really in, and you have to include Alex Smith. He's capable of having some big games we've seen this season and you have, he could throw to Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and they could run the ball and throw it to Kareem Hunt, one of the best offensive players this season. Um, and I don't know. It's just I think it's going to be a good a good game, somewhat. Um, this, I think it's going to be better than the Bills Jags, I, in my opinion. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm going with the Chiefs to cover that nine points. Alrighty. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the next one. Atlanta Falcons at the Los Angeles Rams, the first playoff game in LA in what, like twenty something years or so, at least. Um, the Rams are favored by five and a half, giving uh, those points to the Falcons. This is going to be an interesting game. These are two very, very good teams. Um, I would not want to face either of these teams if I was um, the Eagles or the Vikings. Um, but. Uh, it's gonna be interesting to see how these this, these two high octane offenses really face off. Um, they both have had successes in the regular season. The Rams have been a lot more consistent, but the Falcons um, at times have shown glimpses of being possibly the best team in the NFL. Um, and the five and a half points is showing some of this, some of that respect. Um, it's gonna be pretty hectic, I think, in LA. There, I think there's gonna be a lot of fans there. In the Coliseum, oh, yeah. you could fit like 90,000 plus. So I'm guessing it's probably going to be – I wouldn't put money on it being over 80, um, but it's very possible it could be. Uh, so it's going to be packed. It's going to be loud. Um, there aren't a lot of Falcons fans in L.A., so it's going to be a lot of Rams. And um, I don't know. The, I think the five-and-a-half points is if you give them three, three-and-a-half points for the home field advantage – I don't know that the, the Rams are only two, two and a half points better this regular season at the very least. Um, and so I'm going with the Rams in this game. I just love the fact that the Rams are a super fast team. That, that comes to, into play a little bit more in the playoffs, just kind of how the games pick up their, their game of pace, um, the speed of pace. And um, I just – I love McVay this season. We'll get into some um, NFL awards this year, but he's kind of a lock for the coach of the year. Um, I love Gurley. He's in all the he's in all the talks for MVP and Offensive Player of the Year and such. And um, I don't know. I just I think that uh, the Rams are going to be a team to be not to be trifled with this postseason. It's going to be interesting to see how um, their young squad kind of rolls through these early rounds because there's some great teams that they're going to be facing off against. Um, but who are you going to take in this, Jake? 
Um, I'm actually I'm going to go with Atlanta. Um, again, you know, I just diving into some of the stats, particularly on the Rams. Uh, they I think they were something like one in five at home against the spread in their last mm-hmm. six games. Uh, so you know, not saying that they lost those games, mm-hmm. but you know, they haven't really been covering quite as well as they had been otherwise. You got to throw out that San Francisco 49ers game in week 17, though. So that's one and four. <laughs> True. Um, so one and four uh, in games that mattered. Uh, and then I also, you know, where the Rams are weak, you know, they're 19th against the pass in the league, you know, based on yardage. Uh, and that's where Atlanta's strength, I, I think, would lie, you know, even with the backs. They tend to pass a lot. Uh, I think the Rams tend to be a more consistent team. I think the Atlanta Falcons are a bit more boom or bust. Uh, I would expect Julio to have a big game, uh, and I think the key matchups are going to be Alec Ogletree, uh, the kind of ranging middle linebacker for the, uh, for the Los Angeles Rams against the running backs for the Falcons. Uh, if Atlanta play, has a really clean game, doesn't turn the ball over, I think they'll be just fine. Uh, the Rams, highest scoring team in the league, but I think those those numbers are a little funny. Uh, I think a lot of that, I mean, and by funny, I mean it's it not just measuring what the offense is doing. Uh, the special teams and the defense for the Rams have put up a lot of points. Uh, and so if the Falcons can play a, key, uh, a really clean game, they can uh, kind of mitigate some of those advantages on special teams, give themselves, give themselves you know, average field position. I really do think this is a coin flip game. Uh, if they don't, if uh, going on the road gets to them, uh, if the Rams are able to get get take Julio Jones out of the game, be able to maybe mitigate Vic Beasley, uh, then it could be a really ugly game. But I think that, that Atlanta, I think that I have faith that they'll play a clean game. They've had, uh, you know, last week was a, a win you're in against a very game Carolina team. Uh, Cam Newton, you know, kind of, you know, didn't show up very much, but but the rest of the team played tough. Uh, I think I think I'm going to go with the Falcons here. I think I'm not sure that they'll win this game. I think it's going to be very close. But uh, the five and a half points is enough for me to go with the Falcons, and uh, I am playing from behind here by a few games, so I, I'm going to need to take some risks. So I'm going to ride with the Falcons. Yeah, I don't hate that pick. I, I could see it being decided by a field goal at least. Um, and this game this is going to be a good game. Um, the thing that has me worried with the Falcons is the fact that they play in a dome. They play a lot of games in domes, and they're going into L.A. It's going to be a wide open. The Coliseum is wide, wide open. It's, it's going to be outdoors at night. Um, and Matt Ryan typically doesn't play that well um, in night games in, in the outdoors. And so um, it's going to be L.A. still, though, so it will be great weather probably. Um, but, yeah, I mean – it's something to be worried about when you kind of have a home, a, a dome team coming into a, 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 such a wide open stadium, such as the Coliseum. Um, so yeah, I mean, I like the pick. I don't think it's terrible. Atlanta's a great team. They could they could run through all a lot of these teams in the in the, in the uh, NFC. So it's gonna be interesting to see how that kind of plays out. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Buffalo Bills at the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jags are favored by nine points in Jacksonville. Uh, the Bills are the sixth seed. Jags are the three seed. Who are you going to take here, Jake? I'm going to go with Jacksonville here, Ben. Uh, I just I look at how that Bills offense is going to match up against Jacksonville, and I, I just, 
struggling to see how the Bills are going to keep this one close. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin's going to have to deal with Kelvin Benjamin and the rest of the wide receivers for Buffalo are going to have to deal with arguably the best secondary in the league. Uh, and then you've also got a gimpy Shady McCoy who really I, I've heard sprained the ankle uh, and is questionable as to whether he's going to play. Uh, if McCoy doesn't play, I would – if Vegas knew McCoy wasn't going to play, I feel like this line would be a few points higher, to yeah, be exactly. honest. Uh, and, you know, the fact that he's that he's doubtful or he's questionable even this late in the week tells me he's not going to be anywhere near 100%. Uh, the Jaguars do have a – an okay but not amazing run defense. Uh, very big, very physical front with, with Darius, with uh, Clay's Campbell, with Naguki. Uh, you've got a lot of really talented guys up front there, and I, I just I don't think any backup backs for Buffalo, even if they have to spell McCoy at all throughout the game, are going to do much. Uh, having seen Buffalo play a few weeks ago at New England, uh, that game being sandwiched between you know two games against the Dolphins, uh, Buffalo has not handled the run very well on the defensive side. Uh, and that just happens to be Jacksonville's strength. I wouldn't be shocked to see Fournette early and often. I think the Jaguars would like to out-physical the Bills, kind of take away their will early in this game. And uh, from there, you know, I think it'll be more of, you know, just kind of running out the clock, maybe not getting risky with Bortles late in the game. Uh, and the only other thing I guess I'd have to say is that it, it might be this might be a potential revenge game. Uh, we've got Doug Barone, the head coach of Jacksonville. Uh, a few seasons ago, he had an option to stay with the Bills as their head coach, and uh, he ended up leaving for other opportunities. Uh, and so you've got old coach against old team, and I wouldn't be shocked to see Doug Barone try to run up the score a little bit if he gets the opportunity, not take his foot off the gas. <laughs> All right. Uh, and. And so I wouldn't be, you know, and that's why, while this, this line is a little bit higher than I might be comfortable with, I think that uh, the Jaguars will be plenty motivated to put a pile on the points if they can. Yeah, that's a good, that's a, it's a good point. Um, I'm taking the Bills in this game, um, and my main reason is the line. Um, I just, I, I, I'm pretty comfortable betting against Blake Bortles in the playoffs, but when it's the Buffalo Bills, you have no idea. The Bills are, more, like I said, one of the worst teams we've seen to come and make the playoffs in a few years at least. Um, but yeah, I mean, if Shady McCoy doesn't play this game, this line has to be at least 12. Um, and I, I'm, I'm picking the Bills, assuming that he will, and he'll be somewhere around at least 80, 75 to 80% healthy and able to make some cuts and some good runs. Um, he's still one of the best running backs in the NFL. And it seems like he's been that way for, I don't know, like at least like eight years or so. Um, Very good. Yeah. And the only thing that really has me worried is that Jacksonville defense against the Bills offense. If Shady McCoy can't go or can't be effective, um, I just don't feel confident in any of the Buffalo receivers. Kelvin Benjamin kind of looked like he quit on the season after – that um, play against the Patriots where they called his touchdown back. Um, yeah. And uh, I don't know. The Jacksonville defense has some very encouraging players to be to be looked at for defensive player of the year. And the defensive coordinator, um, Todd Walsh, is, is – Todd Walsh, sorry. Is, um, he's going to be considered for coordinator of the year. If, if that was an award, we'll look into that. But, um, yeah, I mean – 
the, the my main re- thinking here was that I think the Bills are better than the Titans if Shady McCoy plays. Um, to be honest, I, I have no confidence in the Titans, and I think that the Chiefs have a better home field advantage and are more ready for the playoffs than the Jaguars. So looking at that spread, it's the same as this one. I just think that the the differences between these two teams is closer than the Titans-Chiefs game. Um, And so that's kind of why I decided to go with the Bills in this one, to be honest. Um, I think the Jags are more than likely going to win this game. Uh, But the nine points has me worried. They don't win. um, They they typically don't win that by that much points. I mean, they uh, look, they have. They have a five point. They have they lost the they lost the Titans and the 49ers coming into the playoffs. They had a big win big win against the uh, Texans, a close one against the Seahawks. They came away with a W. They beat the Colts, the Cardinals, the Browns, Chargers. Like all these games have been close against the good teams. Um, and Bortles hasn't really had much much to be tested in in the regular season. His biggest test was kind of against. Um, I don't know, the Seahawks back in, what week is that? Is that 13? Um, and the Seahawks have a had a banged-up defense at that point in the season, and Bortles hasn't really had too much to be worried about um, the, this regular season. So I'm, I'm kind of happy I get to bet against him here. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be interested to see. Maybe he puts my words in my mouth, but I'm, I'm, I'm going with the Bills in this one. Alrighty, I just have one. I have two, actually two more little things. I just nuggets, I guess. Yeah, I just put one, which would be that you know I agree that uh you know the Jacksonville Jaguars you know would be right for an upset had they had you know a game underdog here. You know I think had had San Diego ended up having to go to, getting to go to Jacksonville instead, I may I may have picked San Diego straight up in that game just due to some of the matchups involved. Uh, but. But part of the reason why, you know, I feel a little bit more comfortable taking Jacksonville with this line, you know, I went back, I looked at what the Bills had done this season, uh, particularly on offense, and they've yet to score. They haven't scored over 24 points since Halloween. Yeah, they, they've, only scored, they've only scored over, over 20, you know, 20, in the 30s twice, both of them the two games before Halloween against two of the worst defenses in the league in Tampa Bay and Oakland. And so I, you know, dinged up Shady McCoy, uh, among, among other things. You know, I'm sure there are a lot of other players on both sides that are dinged up. But I just, I think very similar to that Titans and, and Chiefs game, I think it'll be a lower-scoring game. But I think Buffalo might, be, might struggle to score any points without, you know, some big plays or, you know, some turnovers yeah. from Jack or Jack. My biggest worry with the Bills is that they were so excited to make the playoffs, and they were I I hadn't seen a team be that excited to just make the NFL playoffs in a long time, and I'm worried that they just they'll be happy to be there, and they're just gonna be happy to just be able to play in this game and kind of if they take the loss, oh, oh well, you know. But I don't know. I I it's gonna be interesting to see how they haven't made the playoffs in what twenty years. Twenty. This is their first. I think it's their first playoff appearance in uh the 21st century right yes it is it's been 19 years <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot that's happened since then <laughs> yeah now i'm also wondering you know how many bills fans will, will we have at this game you know i know you know you get a lot of snowbirds down in uh florida so maybe they are maybe some will really show out you know it's also the first playoff game in, in nearly two decades 
I also heard a funny nugget. The city of Jacksonville, uh, starting two days ago, put an ordinance out that restricted sales of fold-out tables uh, uh. to one per, one per Florida license and none to anyone with out-of-state licenses. <laughs> The what do Bills you think mafia, the Bills Mafia doesn't make, they don't travel? <laughs> yeah, oh, so we'll we'll yeah, I you know, nothing to say someone couldn't travel outside of the city and pick up some tables, but you know, clearly Jacksonville thinks that they might get invaded this weekend. So that sounds, you know, that might be something I, I you know, look forward to before the game, maybe scanning the crowd and see how many uh how many Bills red and white jerseys we can see. <laughs> That's funny. That is really funny. The Bills Mafia is crazy. You see them on social media breaking tables and hurting themselves all the time. <laughs> oh, man. They're in Jacksonville's head maybe a little bit. Yeah. That will be, be, be a good game. I'm excited for this playoff this playoff uh, week, wild card weekend. And I'm, I'm not a huge fan of these AFC games, um, but, yeah, it'll be good. Absolutely. Right. Let's look at the Carolina Panthers at the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are favored by seven points at home in the uh, New Orleans Superdome. The Panthers are coming in um, off a loss to the Falcons. The Saints are, have been playing well late in the season. They're looking like a team that could possibly make a, an underdog run all the way to the Super Bowl, honestly. They look really good. Um, I'm going with the Saints in this game. I just I, I think this, I think Drew Brees is, is ready to make a, 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 a big-time run kind of in his, his he's got maybe what less than about five or so years maybe left in his career and this is a great yep. team he's gonna he's not gonna undervalue this this opportunity to um kind of show out in some of his last playoff games um the the combo between ingram and kamara is probably the best tandem in the nfl um i think michael thomas is in store for a big game um I don't know. I, I I think that the only option here that the pair, I could see the Panthers winning this game or he, even covering this spread is if Cam Newton just plays out of his mind. Um, yeah. You know, the Panthers don't really have any wide receivers to be worried about. Funchess is banged up, and Olsen has been – he had one good game, one good game this season. Um, and I don't know. I just, I just think that McCaffrey is – He's coverable. He's he, he's he's somewhat dynamic, but he's limited in what he can do. And he's he, we've seen he's been able to be shut down in games here and there. And um, I just I love the Saints at home here. I think it's gonna be loud. It's gonna be exciting. Um, but yeah, this might be one of my favorite games of the week. Who you got, Jake? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm thinking along the same lines as you, Ben. This is going to be the only game that uh, we're going to have the same pick for this week. I'm also going to go with the Saints. Uh, I think that, you know, being at home in that dome, it's it's a huge advantage, uh, paralleled maybe only by Kansas City's in this round. Uh, Cam Newton has looked pretty, has played very poorly over the past few weeks. Uh, and the Saints have, you know, one of the better defenses in the league. Uh, they're familiar with Cam. Uh, I, I'd expect them to, you know, kind of hold the Panthers down here. I, I'm not sure... Uh, if Carolina is going to be able to keep put up the points to keep up with New Orleans, uh, like you alluded to, you, you mentioned already, you know, Funches is banged up. Uh, Lattimore will probably have his way with whomever he gets paired up with against, you know, from Carolina. I also saw Matt Khalil, the the left the uh, the tackle. Uh, he was on the injury report as well. 
uh, not a good sign as far as, you know, making sure that your pass pro is where it needs to be. Uh, and then outside of McCaffrey, I don't, I don't see a whole lot to like with the, uh, the Panthers' backfield as far as running backs go. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're getting Stewart back in this game, but he's not someone to be too worried about. Yeah, he's, you know, he, he has his one or two games a year at this point. You know, he was a much more uh, viable threat a few seasons ago. Now he's more of a bit player. Uh, and I just see New Orleans has so many weapons. Uh, I, I'm excited to watch the New Orleans offense go up against the Carolina defense because when Keekley and when uh, Thomas Davis are both out there together and they're healthy, that defense, you know, you can kind of cycle in the other parts and that defense tends to play fairly well. Uh, this one, I think both NFC matchups are, are great matchups, and uh, I'm looking forward to watching both of them. But I, I think that uh, the Saints, I think they've got too much going for them, and they're actually they're my they're my second favorite team in the NFC. I think Minnesota and then New Orleans, uh, those would be my. I think that's my NFC title game as of right now. Yeah, and I know that looking forward a lot, but you know that's. It's what we're we're doing. So I, I just think you know I'm I'm big on the, I'm big on the Saints. I agree with you that Drew Brees has got to be highly motivated after having been shut out of the playoffs for a few consecutive years. And uh, as I as I look around the league, you know I think you know another Super Bowl it would do a lot for New Orleans. It cements a lot of legacies. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, go with the Saints. Yeah. Something to be think about thinking about here, I think, in the playoffs too, is I love the Rams, and I, I'm looking at these NFC teams, and these teams are all really good in the NFC. Um, oh yeah, and you might you could make an argument that if the worst, maybe one of the worst teams in the NFC is the number one seed in the Eagles without Wentz behind center. They're a different team, um, and looking at these these all these teams in the NFC South, the the Falcons, the Panthers, and the Saints. Those three teams had probably the three toughest schedules in the NFL this year because they had to face each other all two times. And yep. all three of those teams are very, very good teams. Um, and they're coming in. I mean, I, I don't know if it, it's, it – I hope it didn't wear any of them out, and it's possible it did. Um, but I think it, if – I like I like the chances that of the, the uh, Saints or the Panthers beating – the Eagles and I like the chance of the Falcons or the Rams beating the Vikings. And I think that the Vikings are a really, really good team and they're, they're, they're the favorites to go to the Super Bowl in the NFC, but I could see the six seed, the Falcons going all the way to Super Bowl, to be honest. And I think it's going to be kind of cool to see how that NFC playoff picture plays out. Absolutely. Uh, just to like touch on, you know, you brought up uh, the Rams and, you know, how their playoffs, you know, their outlook in general. And I just think, I feel bad. I really can't help but think that, you know, Los Angeles, they really would have, you know, it's, it stinks for them that, uh, that they're going to likely have to go through Minnesota in the next round. And I think they got the tougher draw, you know, in this first wild card round as well. The Saints, I, I would just, you know, looking at the field, I, there aren't a lot of, there aren't any easy teams in the NFC bracket. But, you know, if I'm the Rams and the Saints, or the Saints, I would much rather, you know, host Carolina and then travel to Philly because of the Wentz injury than have to have to host the defending NFC champs and then go to Minnesota. Uh, and I think that's part of the reason why I might, I might slide the Saints in ahead of the Rams. Uh, I just think that their path is just a little bit easier. Yeah. I think the two elves are fairly 
are fairly comparable. Uh, I think the Saints might have a slightly better defense, and they're obviously better at quarterback and running. And uh, but a running back might be a wash, you know, even though New Orleans has two. And uh, I also there's something to be said for for Sean McVay, you know, in his first year coming in there and organize and uh, energizing that organization. Uh, and so, you know, maybe that would be a deciding factor. I'd love to see a Rams-Saints game again, uh, but that'd be impossible to predict. You know, that would have to be the NFC title game. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's going to be – NFC is a lot more exciting um, to kind of look at these games because the AFC, it, it's almost like you could put – I think the, the Patriots right now are minus 150 in the money line to uh, win the AFC title. And I would put, I would put a lot of stock in that. I mean, I, they have the easiest path they've had in in years to the Super Bowl. Um, oh. They'd have to face Pittsburgh in the AFC title game to have any sort of sweat. Um, and I don't know. I just, I, I, I really like the Patriots' chances of going to Super Bowl this year again. And um, I, I mean, nobody in the AFC really you have to be too worried about. Um, other than Pittsburgh, I guess a little bit because they almost did lose against them in that one game, and um, Pittsburgh is always a, a tough matchup. But yeah, I mean, it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be interesting to see how the two divisions kind of play off each other, um, or the two conferences kind of play off each other, because um, it's possible that the NFC games are a lot more exciting. Yeah, you know, I look at the NFC and I was trying to come up with some sort of analogy for you know how how just stacked the NFC is, you know, in, in this playoff field. And I just couldn't, I keep coming back to that movie, the movie franchise, the expendables. <laughs> it's like you have, you have, you know, you've got the Eagles, you know, tough defense, a lot of talented offensive weapons. Uh, you can say the same about the Vikings. You can say the same about the Rams and the Saints and the Falcons and the Panthers. Uh, and you just, you know, you never, you don't really know what's going to happen. You just know there are going to be a lot of explosions a lot of really good football games, and that uh, at the end of the day, uh, the people that showed up just to watch, you know, just to watch football, not to watch the pageantry, are, are going to be satisfied. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be exciting. All right, you want to look at some of these NFL awards and make some quick picks? Yeah, sure. All right, let's uh, for start off with the MVP. It's going to be basically a two-horse, two, two-man race here. Um, Brady and Gurley are kind of the – what the debate is Wentz was in it and then he got hurt and we haven't really seen many players win the MVP by, while missing three three games or more um Antonio Brown kind of the same thing he he went down um with some games to be left um on the table and so we're kind of really just looking at Brady and Gurley here um I think that Brady is going to be the MVP just because I think he's if you look at the the just kind of the, the history of the award, the, the quarterback is the most valuable position. It's really difficult to give it to uh, a skilled player outside of co- a quarterback because the, the writers and the people who vote for this are they're um, they're they they place a lot more value in that position. And the 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 running back in this case, Gurley, would have to have had an, an astronomical amount of a, a better season than the quarterback in question. So. I'm. I think I'd roll with Brady here, um, and I, although Todd Gurley has had a, an incredible season and it's probably the most valuable player in fantasy, um, I think Brady kind of has meant the most to his team and um, what he's what the Patriots have been able to do in, in another great season like we've seen for the last like what twenty years. So, yeah. 
I, uh, I'm also, I think I'm going to go with Brady. Uh, I think, you know, Gurley made it very close, and had they played him against San Francisco, uh, and had they won that game, and Gurley had a very good game, I think the conversation could be very different. Uh, I think, you know, the Rams, having not really finished in the same, at quite the same level as the Patriots in the standings, uh, you know, and with Gurley, like you already mentioned, being a, a running back, not a quarterback, uh, Gurley did not lead the league in rushing. Kareem Hunt did. Uh, and Le'Veon Bell had arguably, you know, maybe not quite the same season as Gurley due, due to some, some injury issues uh, throughout the year. But uh, I think it's, it's hard for me to set Gurley, you know, that much above uh, Kareem Hunt or, uh, or Le'Veon Bell. And, it, you know, I think that last game really could have meant something to his MVP candidacy. Yeah. Uh, and I, I have to mention that, you know, I think, you know, had he stayed healthy, uh, Carson Wentz would have won the award. Uh, yeah. but, but I think we've seen throughout the years, you know, it, old reliable is to go to, to who, you, who the media believes the best quarterback in the league. Uh, Peyton Manning has racked up a lot of MVP awards, some of them in years where he may not have been the clear-cut MVP, but the fault is usually to go with the best quarterback in the league. Uh, and so, you know, that holds true, and I think it will. I think Tom Brady will end up being the MVP. Yeah, what's kind of unfortunate is Brady is somewhat deserving here, but this isn't one of his all-time seasons. He's had a great season, no doubt, but he uh, he's thrown some picks. His touchdown to um, interception ratio isn't amazing for what he's been able to do in his previous years. Um, but he did lead the league in passing yards. He had over 4,500 passing yards. He's top five in completion, per- completion percentage, yards per attempt, passing touchdowns, and passer rating, uh, and total, Q- uh, total QBR. So he's got some good stats still. Um, he's in the top five in all of those. And um, he he had to work through Edelman going down right as the season started. Chris Hogan was the, one of the best receivers up until uh, week seven i think or at week eight he went down so he played half the season with him um and i don't know he just kind of just year in year out finds a way to make the most out of the players that he's he's given to work with and um brandon cooks had a good season gronk was unbelievably like a plus a plus managed this season um he i felt like they stopped throwing him over the middle because they just they, they figured it's not worth the, the chance of an injury um, putting Gronk out in harm's way and he had he still ended up having a great season um, but yeah I mean Gurley he he, uh, he had over 2,000 yards from scrimmage this season 19 touchdowns um, both of which led the, led the league um, but neither ranks in the top 25 all time um, so I mean he he had a great season, but no doubt. But I just kind of think that what Brady did for that team in the the Patriots in in Foxborough, I just think that uh, Brady's kind of a shoe in for this award. Yeah, like, and, and it goes back to like I had said, you know, if Gurley plays that last game and he you know rips off 120 yards rushing, another 60 yards receiving, and has one or two touchdowns, you know. Yeah. That, Brady that had two touchdowns in that last game, too. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, it might have been the difference. You know, I, I do think it was close. Uh, but, 
when it's close, like we both said, you know, it tends to go to the quarterback. Yeah, I agree. But then looking at the next award, we'll talk about the Offensive Player of the Year award. You know, I think you have to give that one to Gurley just because of what he kind of ex- brought to that offense and how explosive he was all season. And Brady is kind of just the, the the epitome of a value valuable player. He just kind of changes that whole um, dynamic for the for the Patriots, and he's um, been kind of he's just been the catalyst behind all their success behind, throughout these last 20 years or so and um but Todd Gurley was unbelievable this season and I think that he kind of deserves some recognition I think uh I think he'll probably win offensive player of the year yeah and I I do too uh I'm not a big fan of of giving you know the MVP is almost always an offensive player uh and so I I don't know what it is you know maybe I just I like I like to spread the love uh, I don't. I don't really. I'm not a big fan of, of handing the MVP and Offensive Player of the Year to the same player. Yeah. Uh, and because, like we had mentioned, you know, MVP tends to go to quarterback. Uh, you know, I would rather see another person get recognized with the OPY award. And uh, and I agree. I think Gurley is probably the best offensive weapon in the league this year. Uh, had Brown stayed healthy, maybe I might feel differently, but he didn't, and so. Uh, again, yeah, I think I'd go with Gurley as well. He had a very good season. Uh, had he put up, you know, slightly bigger numbers, like we already said, you know, maybe an MVP caliber season. But I, uh, I feel very comfortable giving Todd Gurley the Offensive Player of the Year award. Yeah. And then the Defensive Player of the Year, we'll, we'll go through some of these real quickly. Um, we're looking at mo- a lot of div- defensive ends, uh, Aaron Donald, Calais Cam- uh, Campbell, Cam Hayward for Pittsburgh, Demarcus Lawrence for Dallas, Chandler Jones for Arizona, um, and you mentioned Harrison Smith, the safety for um, for the Minnesota Vikings. And um, we'll look at. I think the the best candidates are probably the ones that are in the best defenses. Um, there's no doubt that yeah. Demarcus Lawrence and Chandler Jones both had very good seasons. Jones led the league in sacks, and Lawrence um, had an incredible season um, for Dallas. But I think you. Typically, these awards go to the, a player or the best player on the best defense in the NFL, um, and I think that's kind of going to be why I think Clay's Campbell is going to going to win this one. Um, I could see Aaron Donald getting more votes too. I think those are kind of the two guys that um, are going to be the favorites for this award. Um, Harrison Smith has no doubt been incredible for the Minnesota Vikings this season too, though. Yeah, I mean. I agree with you. I think, you know, Lawrence and Jones, you know, they were on pretty good. They were on top 10 yardage defenses, but they weren't on very good teams. And uh, they, they had a lot of opportunity to just pin their ears back and rush the passer. Uh, and so for that reason, I wouldn't really consider them too heavily. Uh, Cam Hayward had a very good, solid season, but I just I can't put him on the same level that I would put an Aaron Donald or a Calais Campbell. Uh, you know, Harrison Smith, I just throw him out there just because I, I think, you know, he got Pro Bowl snuffed hard this year. I think he may have been, he may have played safety better than anyone else in the league this season. I know that, uh, that pro football focus had graded him out and, you know, as their highest graded safety ever, I think. Or maybe, or maybe it was that he had the greatest distance between number one and number two safety in the league ever. Yeah. But regardless, he had, you know, a good season on arguably the best defense. But uh, the guy that I would give it to, and I know Campbell was on a slightly better defense, but I would give it to Aaron Donald. 
Uh, he had nearly 100 quarterback pressures this year. Uh, you know, and the next the next closest interior defensive lineman was 12th in that in that statistical ranking. Uh, the guy was unreal, and you know his job isn't just to rush the passer like some of the edge guys. You know, he's a feared run defender as well. Draws a lot of double teams. Uh, just an incredibly tough player. Uh, I just I can't I can't imagine taking someone other than Aaron Donald for for this award. Uh, just based on you know the number of pressures that he's that he's you know compiled, uh, getting double digit sacks as a defensive tackle draws consistent double teams. Uh, his defense might not have been as good as Jacksonville or Minnesota's, but he might be the reason why that defense you know isn't as bad as Indianapolis's. Yeah. So I, I'm gonna go with Aaron Donald if yeah. I if I had to pick. I I I don't I don't hate that pick. I think Donald's probably a. a the better guy here. Um, I know Calais Campbell had a great season, but I just think that the only the, his main argument is that the Jacksonville defense is kind of unanimously ranked number one, and they might kind of look at him um, because of that. But yeah, Aaron Donald has been incredible this year. He probably is more deserving. Uh, but let's look at some of these other ones. Offensive Rookie of the Year and Defensive Rookie of the Year. Um, for the Offensive Rookie of the Year, it kind of comes down to, to two players, Hunt and Kamara. Um, Deshaun Watson and Smith-Schuster had great seasons. Uh, Watson, if he didn't go down, would probably be a shooting for this award because because he's a quarterback and was playing so well. Um, and Juju Smith-Schuster really came on well late in the season. He's the youngest player in the NFL. Um, he's only 21. He turned 21 during the season. Um, but it's really these Hunt, uh, Kareem Hunt and Alvin Kamara had two of the best rookie seasons we've seen in, in recent years, and they were really incredible. Um, I'd roll with Kamara here. I think Hunt had a great early start to the season, um, but Kamara was just kind of consistent all year long and really changed that New Orleans Saints offense. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, uh, it's so hard because you know you you compile you you know I looked at their fantasy numbers that they put up. You know, and in a standard league, they they were right next to each other, and the difference was only a few points to Kareem Hunt. Uh, I think Kamara was more consistently good throughout the season. Uh, but, you know, Hunt had more opportunities. You know, Kamara, he didn't really get going until a few weeks into the season after uh, Peterson had been, uh, you know, removed from New Orleans. And so I, it's so close, and I'd be, I'd be fine with either of them winning it. Uh, I think, though, that I would probably – I think I'm going to go with Kareem Hunt, though. Uh, my thinking is just that – I'm not sure that uh, any of the other running backs in Kansas City could have could have kept them afloat as well as Kareem had. I looked yeah. at Kamara; he had a numbers, uh, much better in the passing game than Hunt. Although Hunt's no slouch there either. Uh, but but Mark Ingram put up very good numbers behind that offensive line as well. Uh, and they also they have the benefit of having Drew Brees and uh, having Sean Payton. And while Andy Reid and Alex Smith aren't aren't chopped liver, they're no Drew Brees or, or Sean Tate. Yeah. And so I think just looking looking at what they had around them and what what I think that you know other average players would have been able to do, you know, in their situations, I guess I, I lean to Kareem Hunt. That's my tiebreaker. But you know, I owned both of these players in fantasy, and they were both tremendous players throughout the season. And uh, I don't think the voters could go wrong with either. But I guess I I would probably vote for Kareem Hunt. Yeah, you could you can't go wrong with either of those two guys. They're, they have very good seasons. Defensive Rookie of the Year, 
it's looking like it's probably going to be Marshawn Lattimore, the cornerback for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, but Tredavious White's going to get some votes, and um, I don't. I, Miles Garrett, the, the number one pick overall coming into the season for the Browns, is going to be the only defensive lineman worth any any good votes. He's going to be um, probably in in some of these rankings. Um, but yeah, I, I you got to go with Lattimore here. He had an incredible season. Do you not agree? Absolutely. I uh, I would probably also go with Lattimore. He missed a few games to injury, and so that might make this close. But, you know, if you if you ask me which one of them I would rather have, it would be Lattimore. Uh, White's, White's a very good player and played, you know, like a number one corner for most of the season. But I think Marshawn Lattimore might be an elite-level corner. Uh, and so this is similar to the other, to the offensive rookie of the year you got, you know, a highly touted player who was injured and might have been able to win the whole thing in Miles Garrett. And then you've got two really similar guys at the same position, one of whom uh, might be a little bit more talented, but, you know, kind of missed part of the season. Uh, but I, I just, the eye test, having been able to see both of these players uh, play a few times this year, I, I like Lattimore a little bit more, but again, I don't think they could go wrong with either. Yeah. They're 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 um they're really talented defensive rookies, um and I think Miles Garrett also is all, he uh he's been a little bit underrated this season. People think that since the Browns were so bad and um they they didn't have a lot of success here. Miles Garrett actually had a good season, um but yeah, Lattimore is the the, the shoe in for this one. Comeback Player of the Year, it's got to be Keenan Allen for the for the Chargers. He had a blown out ACL last year. He, that was brutal, but Rob Gronkowski is going to get some votes just because of how incredible his season was, um, and he went down with a late injury last season. Um, and I threw in Josh Gordon just because, although he's he's not going to get any votes, but I think it's incredible that he's back in the league and playing at a high level after taking three-plus years off from the NFL. Um, and then Earl Thomas I threw in here um, for Seattle. I figure he'll probably get some um, some votes in this award too because of his gruesome injury last year, um, and then coming back strong again this year. Yeah, I I agree completely. I honestly I don't have a whole lot to add to that. I I just think you know uh, the Chargers were a pretty dang good team, and so you know it would come down to Allen and Gronkowski for me. And I just think that uh, Allen he he left it all out there on the field this year, and he had many more doubters than Gronkowski. Uh, and the Chargers don't get enough love in general. So, you know, I, I think that Keenan Allen would be a real very good pick for this award. Yeah. All right. Uh, coach of the year. Um, it's probably going to be Sean McVay for the Rams, but you're also going to look at Andy Reid and Doug Peterson for um, the KC Chiefs and the Eagles, respectively. Um, but I think also uh, it's kind of funny because in the NBA it feels like we always kind of – overlook LeBron and in, in, in the MVP race just because you look at who's the second best player really. Um, and also some, sometimes yep. the stats, sometimes the stats suggest LeBron might not be the MVP, but I mean, the guy's always year and you're out the best player and, and again, and it's kind of similar in Bill Belichick for the Patriots. I think Bill Belichick's he's the best coach in the NFL. If you had to pick somebody you want to run your team for the next five years, you pick Bill, you pick Bill Belichick. Um, and I think that there's an argument to be made here if you had a fantasy draft, though, and this is a credit to McVeigh that if you had uh, just a pick to, to start a whole new franchise, you might pick Sean McVeigh at this point because the guy, he's, what, 30 years old? He could be he could go down as the greatest coach of all time because he started his career so young. 
Um, and he could he could be in this league for a very, very long time. Um, and Bill Belichick probably is on his way out. I mean, we've said this on previous podcasts. He's probably he probably doesn't have much of a career beyond when Tom Brady retires in, in the next couple seasons. And so um, but Bill Bill Belichick's he's he's the best coach in the NFL this season, but he's not going to get it. Um, kind of mostly because I think that these uh, these voters kind of look for the second best player, the second best coach at this point. Um, but it's going to be McVay probably. Yeah, I uh, I think it'll be McVay. I think he deserves it. Uh, looking at the list of finalists, you know, Doug Peterson. I think you know had Wentz stayed healthy and they finished the season out strong, he'd probably have a great case. Uh, I agree on Belichick, and then I'm not. I actually, I probably wouldn't even have Andy Reid in my top five, to be honest. I know the Chiefs came out, they started hot, uh, but they had, you know, a dreadful midseason lull. And I just, you know, I look at, there are two other coaches, head coaches that come to mind to me who I would award, you know, coach of the year before Andy Reid, and that's after McVay, Peterson, and Belichick. And that would be McDermott in Buffalo. I mean, he 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 royally screwed up by putting in Peterman over Tyrod Taylor. I mean, I can't. You know, there's no getting around that. Uh, and I mean that cost that likely that maybe cost them a game, and you know, so they they'll suffer through that. But there's also no getting around that. You know, this is the first Buffalo team to make the playoffs in really two decades, and uh, he's been a huge part of that. Uh, the other coach, you know, a guy whose name I haven't heard at all around the coach of the year conversation, and it's shocking, is Mike Zimmer. Yeah. Where is Mike Zimmer? You know, the, the Vikings had an incredible season. Uh, they struggled mightily with injuries at quarterback. They lost Alvin Cook. Uh, before the season, they lost Sharif Floyd at defensive tackle, uh, you know, a, a first-round pick who they, they had high hopes for. Uh, you know, they've been very dinged up all over the place. You know, Diggs had missed a number of games. Uh, I just, you know, where is Mike Zimmer here? His team won a ton of games. Uh, his defense was arguably the best defense in the league. Uh, and, and no love. No love. That's really, it's disappointing. You know, I, I'm a big Zimmer guy. I like Zimmer when he was with Cincinnati. Uh, and he, I don't think, I think he gets more respect from from the players and from front office and coaching guy and coaching staff individuals, but uh, I know ownership. You know, it took a long time for him to get to get a head coaching job, and so maybe the perception with owners around the league is great. And I, I know that the fan, the fans and the media nationally certainly underrate him. Uh, so I think Zimmer should be in this convo. I think McVay will be the winner, and uh, justifiably so. Huge turnaround from the uh, the Jeff Fisher era, but man, like where is Mike Zimmer? I agree. That's a good point. Zimmer had that that Minnesota team is incredible this season, and nobody really had them on their radar as Super Bowl contenders coming into the season. Um, and I don't know. It's, it's a good point. I think I, I, I if I had to choose two coaches, I would or three coaches, I would choose McVay, Zimmer, and Belichick. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's gonna be interesting to see. Um, I think it's gonna be interesting to see how McVay's career plays out. Because man, like I said, that guy. He has an opportunity to be the best coach possibly of all time because of how young he is, um, and he's a, he's an entertaining fellow. He I watch a lot of Ram games because they're, they're the team that is on the television all the time out here in LA. And um, yep. McVeigh, <laughs> it's so funny. McVeigh sits down during um, the defense when they're playing, and he he just works on the offense 
Um, and he just lets Wade Phillips kind of run that defense for him. And he's uh, he's gone – He's gotten the benefit of a doubt for a lot of those things. Um, he, he he really has a lot of help around him, um, and, but it really seems like the team, the Rams really rallied around him this season, and they love having him as their head coach. Yeah, I and I I like Sean McVay a lot. I think you know he's got a lot of potential. I just don't want to. I don't want to dive in too heavily on on whether on where his career may or may not go. Just, and part of it you kind of just brought up, you know, he's got Wade Phillips on the staff, a defensive coordinator, one of the best in the league at that position. He's also got John Fossil on the staff as well at special teams. Fossil is, if not the best, one of the three or four best special teams coaches in the NFL. Uh, and so, you know, he's got an elite special teams coach, an elite defensive coordinator, uh, and, and part of that is, is a credit to him because he assembles the staff. And, uh, part, and, you know, part of managing and leading effectively is knowing what you don't know and being able to delegate. Uh, and so, but I, but I have to wonder, you know, Phillips can be a bit of a nomad. He doesn't always stay in the same spot. And so I will be very interested to see what happens with the Rams going forward, whether they can keep the staff together uh, and the roster together and they can build upon it. Yeah. So uh, I wrote this down. Would you? Uh, who's your pick for a coordinator of the year if they uh, had to do this? I, I I don't know. There's a lot of good coordinators out there, but who would you pick? Man, it's tough. Uh, I uh, man, uh, I just looking down your list. We, you had Dennis, Dennis Allen, New Orleans defensive coordinator, did a good job, but I don't think I'd take him. You got Pat Shermer. Uh, he's the Minnesota Vikings offensive coordinator. Uh, he also did a good job, overcame a lot of adversity, but his team, you know, in, in most of the scoring and yardage categories, isn't even a top 7-8 uh, team. And so I probably wouldn't take him. Uh, we mentioned Wade Phillips, and Wade did a great job turning around a bad defense, but uh, they're only 19th against the pass. Uh, you know, and it's, it's an incredibly balanced team. I, I'm not sure that I would give it to Wade just based on some of the uh, the better – uh, the other defensive jobs that have been done across the league. Uh, and the same goes for Jim Schwartz. I think he had a, a really talented defense deal to, to kind of mold, and he'd, be building it, he'd been building it for a while, but I put him on the same tier as Wade Phillips. A uh, very balanced team. He, he didn't uh, have to overcome so many obstacles. So my three finalists would be Todd Walsh. Uh, you'd mentioned the Jacksonville defensive coordinator. Uh, Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator for the Patriots, and George Edwards, the defensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, for me, I, I, it'd be so hard. I, I think you know you couldn't go wrong with any of those guys. Uh, and Jacksonville and Minnesota, they're one and one A in nearly every defensive category. Jacksonville, the better pass defense. Uh, Minnesota, far better run defense and slightly better scoring defense. Uh, and they've dealt with a few more injuries. So I think maybe I'd go Edwards over Walsh. And then it's apples to oranges. McDaniels, you know, he had the second-highest scoring offense after the Rams. I did mention earlier that, that they have a lot of special teams and defensive scores, certainly more than the Patriots. Uh, and, and probably I don't think they've dealt with nearly as many injuries on offense as New England has this season. Uh, yeah, that was going to be my point. I think that the, uh, the injuries, Jacksonville, their defense has been – abnormally healthy this season they've had they haven't really suffered any major injuries 
Um, and I, I would go with McDaniels for that reason. I just think that the Patriots offense, they went, had Edelman go down early, like I mentioned, that Hogan out for a bit. They've had some injury, a couple injuries here and there, running backs to, to uh, Burkhead, and um, I think Deion Lewis missing at least a game or two. Um, yeah. And I, I think McDaniels year in, year out, makes that New England offense tick, um, along with Tom Brady, obviously. But um, he does a great job every year for that with that, that offense in New England. Yeah, I mean, they, Marcus Cannon was an all-pro, all-right tackle last season. Cannon's missed most of the year. Uh, Andrews missed a few games in the middle of the year. That's your center. He calls out a lot of the protections for the team when Brady does not. Uh, you already mentioned a lot of the weapons, almost all of the running backs. I think Lewis Lewis played in all the games. He was dinged up a little bit, though. But all the other running backs have been injured. Uh, nearly every weapon on the team not named Brandon Cooks has missed games. Uh, some of them extended period, uh, extended amount of time. Uh, so yeah, I feel comfortable going with Josh McDaniels. I try, I try to overcorrect a little bit. I don't like giving everything to the Patriots. Uh, and so George, George, George Edwards would be a, a great pick. I heard he's interviewing for the Bears, uh, the Bears head coaching job. He'd be a good, he'd be a good pick for that, for that yeah. spot. Uh, so. I think it was a crowded field for coordinator this, at coordinator this year. I, I would give it to McDaniels. Uh, but, you know, there were a lot of guys who, who put up some great performances. Yeah, I agree. It was an exciting football season this year. Um, the ratings actually were down this year for the NFL. They uh, did you see that ranking or something like that. It was, they were down like set, like seven or I forget what it was. They were down a few percentages of uh, what they were last they, year. Um, but They you know, were. But it, I thought it was an exciting season. Well, you, I I kind of gauge those kinds of things off of what were the expectations coming into this season completely different than how it came out, and it, they were. These teams in the playoffs, none of none of us would have would have picked the Jacksonville Jaguars or Buffalo Bills or or the Rams to make the to make the playoffs, and let alone be competitive. And 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 the Rams are a Super Bowl contender. The Jaguars have the best defense in the NFL, probably. Um, the Titans are nobody likes them, and they had they're in, and and there's so, there's just a lot of unexpected things going on this year. The Vikings weren't another are another one that nobody really thought they were going to be a, a great team. Um, the Saints and their defense are have been unexpected. Um, I, I just I think it's it's been a really good year for the NFL, and it, it, although some of these political things are kind of the reasons why we see I think some of the ratings dip. I just think that um, the the caliber of football is, is pretty good, and, it, and it's impressive to see how that has played out because there were a lot of a lot of we talked about this a lot of marquee players that went down this season. And basically, almost every marketable player this in the NFL has gone down with an injury at some point this season, um, and really the only guys that were able to stay healthy um, and play the whole season really were Brady and Gurley, um, and and kind of everybody else that is that the NFL really markets around went down with an injury. But it's it's been fun. Yeah. It's been a good 2017. Yeah, I think I agree. It's been a great season. And I'd also add, I think, you know, discussions of the NFL, you know, their their viewership going down for for political reasons or whatnot, I think it's it's greatly exaggerated, to be perfectly honest. Uh I know the, that the NBA's ratings have gone up. I think a lot of that has to do with the international market more so than, you know, you, you get a lot of people that are very interested in, the NBA, in NBA games, and, and that league is, is starting to see a bit more parity at the top, it seems. 
uh, with the emergence of the, the Celtics and the Rockets uh, and the Spurs, you know, they're always lingering. But, I mean, I looked at the statistics for, for the top 50 Nielsen rankings over the past three years in the United States. This year, 35 of the top 50 Nielsen rankings were NFL football games this past, this past yeah. year. Two years before, it was also 35 of the top 50. They had a bit of a dip in the, in, uh, the year between. Uh, and so, you know, I look at those numbers, you know, the year between, you had an Olympics. And so I, I think that that certainly could have impacted those, those, rank, those ratings, you know, the ratings, you know, in a vacuum. I think they've been, they've been pretty steady compared to most other, you know, television viewing habits in the United States. I just, I don't see enough evidence. You know, ratings have been down a little bit overall. I'd argue that, that a good part of the reason for that might be that you, you have a lot of teams that are very bad teams. Yeah. I, I don't, I mean, you got one of your biggest sellers in the league, the New York Giants, had a terrible season. Another yeah. one, you know, the Dallas Cowboys, uh, they, they didn't have a, a putrid record, but, you know, I think that the Zeke suspension uh, and the fact that the Cowboys are kind of a middling team without him and, you know, not a great team with him, that certainly, I, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised had that impacted the ratings a little bit. And then you've got other, you've got other teams, you know, between, between the Browns and then the Colts without luck. You, you look at the Packers without, without Aaron Rodgers, you brought up all these, these injuries that happened. You look at Houston that got decimated by injuries. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if a lot of these fans decided that it wasn't, you know, that not everyone's a hardcore fan like you and I. Uh, and so I, I wouldn't be shocked if a lot of those casual viewers, you know, decided to spend their Sundays doing something different because their team did not have a chance of making the playoffs or winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, those, some I, of those marketable, I, it just kind of goes down to the, some of the most marketable things in the NFL and what they hang their hat on didn't really play out like they planned this year. Yeah, and it's like, you know, I'm not saying that there weren't, there weren't you know, there wasn't sub, a section of the population that decided they didn't want to watch the NFL for political reasons. And I'm also, I'm not ignorant enough to pretend that, uh, that it was just conservative individuals who were upset about the flag. I know there were people that stopped watching because they felt that Kaepernick wasn't treated fairly. You know, and wh- whichever way someone falls, you know, they... You know, I know everybody, you know, on one side thinks the other side is all BS, but, you know, it's just, there were, there were people frustrated on both sides, and so I'm sure there, that that had some impact. I think that it's been greatly overstated by people that have, you know, a political axe to grind, however. True. Yeah. But I, for between you and me, we had, man, we had a lot of fun doing this. I, doing these picks for us kind of made um, the year a little bit more worthwhile, I think, because I always pay attention regardless of, for, for fantasy and for football interests and stuff. And I, I don't have NFL Sunday tickets, so I'm not able to watch every game that I would like, but I watch as much as I can. And it's, it's been a fun year. I, I've enjoyed watching football this year. And um, like you said, it, it's, it's, it's interesting to see how um, people kind of want to say, Oh, the NFL's down and they're, they're losing their viewers and stuff. They're still the most powerful sports entity in the United States. Um, year in and year out, Sunday Night Football is the highest rated television show in a lot of different things, like you said, and then the Nielsen ratings. And um, I just, I, I, I enjoyed this, and it's, 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 a, it's always fun to kind of follow football, and it's just something that you could talk about with your friends, and 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 something that you kind of just shoot the shit with, I guess, a little bit. So, this has been fun. 
Absolutely, pal. It's been a good season, and it's not over yet. Uh, looking forward to, to watching these playoffs. I think, uh, you know, there are some games that, that some people think might be stinkers, but, you know, we're always we're surprised. You know, every year something happens, uh, you know, so we'll, we'll see what goes down. But uh, I'm looking forward to the game starting tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Sounds great, Jay. Thanks for coming on with me. Appreciate it. This was fun. Yeah, absolutely, pal. I'll talk to you soon. All right, buddy. Take it easy, and uh, we'll we'll see how we did in our our four picks this week, and we'll do it again maybe next week. Absolutely, pal. Have a good one. All right, you too. So that's a wrap to episode 25 of Vicious Talk with Benny P. Thank you all for tuning in, and I just want to thank Jake Kelly, my guest, for coming on the podcast with me, and I also want to guess Vicious Talk's one and only sponsor, Action for Education. Action for Education is a nonprofit organization that works to create affordable, accessible, and sustainable opportunities for education in Western Honduras. Their mission is centered around capacity building and using resources from the United States to enable Honduran communities to succeed in their own way. Action for Education is always looking for more help. They're currently seeking individuals to join them and their team on their next medical mission trip. It's a fantastic opportunity for any students interested in pre-medical studies to experience the positive impacts that medical clinics can have for impoverished people of the world. For more information, contact my good friend Mike Mastriani and his team at info at action4education.org. And if you are unable to join Action for Education on their next medical mission trip, there are a number of other ways you could help as well. To learn more, visit action4education.org, action4education.org, and consider donating to help their cause because every dollar helps. So that's a wrap to episode 25 of Vicious Talk with Benny P. Now go out, have a great day, and always remember to be vicious. Have a great 2018, everyone.